another episode of Off the Dome. I hope that you guys had a great week last week. It was a four-day work week due to President's Day, so I hope that it went by fast for y'all and that y'all enjoyed y'all's weekend. Um, I definitely didn't do much this weekend. I tried to, you know, make sure I caught up on all my adulting tasks, but of course it's always going to be adulting 30 Sierra Zero because somehow I still managed to not be able to do my laundry this weekend and honestly, like, yeah, I need to work on that. <laughs> Like something always falls by the wayside. Like I can get most things accomplished, but something just in a two day weekend, like I just, I don't know. I feel like employers need to consider a three day weekend every weekend because you need a day to clean, you know, do your grocery shopping, do all the non-fun stuff. Then you need a day to go out and be social if that's what you're into. And then you need a day to absolutely do nothing or do some self-care. That's what I think the three-day weekend needs to look like because two days is just not enough time to recuperate from a five-day work week. I just don't believe it. It's just ridiculous. Because every time I have a three-day weekend, I'm like, dude, I get so much more done with three days off. But yeah, who knows if that's going to happen. But um, y'all, we actually need to, next episode for sure, we need to talk about Love is Blind because I can't hold my thoughts in any longer about the show. Like, we gotta talk about the ending. I mean, the finale, we still have until March 4th, so this coming Friday for the finale to actually air to see, you know, who stayed together, who's not together, who got together after the the proposals and all that jazz, or not, not the proposals, the wedding. Um, so I need y'all to catch up if y'all haven't done so already because next week there's going to be some spoilers because even though originally I thought I wasn't going to be able to relate to any of season two cast members, I actually related to a lot of their stories. So um, it was pretty good. I mean, funny enough, I was on the Love is Blind Instagram page this past weekend and the fans are actually not here for it. The fans were literally dragging the producers and the maker of the show saying that they dropped the ball in who they selected for season two because essentially on season one, it was a show that wasn't heard of before. So not only were we as the viewers, like we had no expectations, neither did the people who were actually, you know, doing the experiment for the first time. But now we have an idea of how the show is supposed to work. So, you know, people were left really disappointed after seeing what happened on season one and then they felt like season two was trash. But I mean, I personally like season two because I just felt like I resonated with a lot of the cast members. So to each his own, but I need y'all to catch up because I got some thoughts, some unpopular opinions, some hot takes, the nitty gritty, you know, the huge. So I need y'all to catch up on Love is Blind. Um... But in regards to this episode, the latter half of this episode was actually previous recorded. So I do apologize in advance if there is like a sound difference because I recorded this like two months ago. So um, bear with me on that. I think the sound may be off like the next half of the podcast the sound might be lower. So you might have to turn up the sound on whatever device you're listening to. And um, yeah, bear with me. Sorry about that, y'all. But I wanted to make sure I come on here and do my normal introduction, say hi to y'all, do all the pleasantry stuff, you know, that all that jazz. Um, but yeah, so the next part of the podcast is going to be talking about my thoughts on home ownership, quitting your nine to five, and a little bit on the pressures of being your own boss. So yeah, it's kind of going to be like a little rant mixed with some of my personal experiences and just like a solid conclusion at the end of how I feel like, you know, we should operate in this society of hustle culture and being on the go 24-7 and working yourself to the bone. I don't really subscribe to those ideas because I know what it feels like to actually do exactly that and be down bad. So I don't want to live like that anymore so had to make some changes had to you know that um what is that TikTok sound where it's like cookie from empire is telling lucius like lucius i gotta put me first that's kind of how i feel like i gotta put me first y'all i gotta put me first and that really just has to go you know 
every area of your life that's kind of how you need to look at things but i don't know i just think you know when it comes to working yourself to the bone it's just not worth it it's not worth it just in my personal opinion you might disagree but hopefully you can kind of resonate with some of the points that i bring up in the next half of the episode so i hope y'all enjoy it let's go ahead and dive right in and i wanted to talk about the pressures of home ownership on young folks I don't necessarily want to say this is limited to millennials, um, even though I am a millennial, but um, I'm just going to categorize it as young folks. Growing up, I really never sat down and said to anybody that I aspired to own a home by a certain age. Like I never said by 25, I want to own a home. I want to have a white picket fence. I want to be married. I want to have kids. I really never thought about things like that of course I did think when I was younger that you know people in their 20s had their lives figured out and stuff of that nature and now that I'm in my 20s I'm realizing that that's definitely not the case Um, but when you're younger you really don't see the nitty-gritty parts about life um, and you also obviously don't understand it so um i don't know i feel like over the last couple of years which this may be attributed to social media and the rise of you know social media platforms such as instagram where it seems as though a lot of my followers and just a little um a backstory the people that i follow on my social media platforms are always going to be people that i know and or friends of a friend Um, I've at least met these people on some occasion if I'm following you. I rarely if ever follow celebrities and influencers because personally for me, you know, that doesn't really sit well with my mental health. So I've kind of tried to tweak my social media as much as possible as to not contribute to any additional mental health problems. So with that being said, I can definitely say over the last couple of years, home ownership has been pushed towards young people. Like, I mean, even as early as 18 years old, it's like, okay, if you have the money, go ahead and buy a house. And don't get me wrong. Obviously, home ownership, there is a lot of good things that can come out of that, such as, you know, generational wealth for your future family. It's a great investment. You know, at least if you are buying a home, you are putting money towards something that you eventually will own as opposed to living in an apartment. You know, you don't own that. um, You don't own that building. You don't own your unit and you're always going to be putting money towards it. And essentially, some may say that that money is going down the drain. And I get that. I, I definitely get that. If you have the means to be able to afford a home. I guess, why not have one? But then I feel like, why do you need a house? Like, I feel like people are owning homes, you know, anywhere between, I would say any anywhere between 18 and like, I don't know, 30. Or like most people are on the wave of owning a home before the age of 30. And while, home ownership isn't necessarily a bad thing I definitely think that the pressures to own a home have become you know far surpassing than what they should be you know everybody is in a different stage in their lives um, in your 20s and even in your 30s 40s you know etc so I, I really wish I could talk to somebody my age and I do know a couple of people who now are homeowners but they're literally not married and they have a house. And I kind of just want to know why, you know, like, and I'm sure the response I would get would be along the lines of the generational wealth thing and not wanting to throw money into an apartment when I can own a home because I can afford it. But I almost feel as though the reason why these people have homes is for bragging rights. Like you have a house because you maybe could afford it. And I have air quotes because what I also think happens is, you know, these people go and buy these houses, right? But for like months and months and maybe years on years on end, 
they probably can't even afford to furnish the home by themselves because what they did was they went ahead and bought this house and they did it for for show you know to keep up with the joneses as they say but then they can't afford to keep up with the home itself like you know i have never said out loud that i want to be a homeowner by such and such age and as the years have you know passed over the last i would say over the last mm, personally i'm gonna say maybe two to three years is when i've seen like the home ownership situation to be on the rise and the reason why i say two to three years is because i mean a lot of people that i personally know were just graduating college you know three years ago two to three maybe four years ago so maybe home ownership at that given moment wasn't on the rise it was probably more like okay i need to find a damn job now that i got this degree i need to go you know pursue my career goals or whatever the case may be join the military you know whatever your after college life um is going to entail for you so that's why i'm saying this probably is something that i've i've personally noticed within the last couple of years post college graduation so yeah, and I mean, some people may come for me and say that I'm being a hater, that the people that I know that do own homes, you know, I'm just hating because I can't afford to buy a home. And I'm just going to come out here and say it. I can't afford to buy a home. Like, I can't afford to buy a home. I can't afford the payments on a home. I can't afford the maintenance costs that are going to be, you know, front and center when you least expect it because the beauty of living in an apartment, if something goes wrong in your apartment, I can call myself down and get maintenance on the line, get maintenance over here to come fix whatever issue. And typically if it's not damages caused from my negligence or just reckless behavior, then they are liable to fix these problems with me not having to pay an extra dime because I pay rent to live here. And the agreement is that you have maintenance on site to be able to, you know, come and repair anything that needs to be repaired and, you know, look at any potential problems that may make my living space potentially dangerous. So, you know, that is the benefit of having an apartment. Of course, there are cons of living in an apartment and there are cons of owning a home. Um, and just from what I've seen, you know, I grew up with a single mother and, you know, I kind of have been privy to the information of what home ownership entails, especially in the last couple of years, because, you know, my mom has purchased a couple of homes. Like she's lived in a couple of different homes. Um, I know she probably owned her first home, maybe before. I definitely think she owned her first home before the age of 30. And I want to say at that time I was about nine. So then she was probably 28, 29 or 28 turning 29. So she, you know, was able to own her first home before the age of 30. And don't get me wrong. I think that's a great accomplishment. But if you think about it, she had me and my brother and she was married. So it makes sense that we all live in a home. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't necessarily make sense for two working adults with two children who have good jobs in the military to be living in an apartment. You know, like, I mean, it does kind of make sense that they would be living in an apartment just because, you know, with the military, you're subject to be moving around every three years. So maybe you don't want to put roots down. But like I said, she had just gotten married. She had me and my brother. My brother was a newborn. So it's like, why wouldn't you have a house and you know my mom also grew up very poor so that was probably one of her goals to have a home before the age of 30 and she was able to meet that goal a personal goal of hers so um but see that owning a home for that reason makes sense to me because you have a family and you can afford to do so i mean people that are single and it's just literally them. I don't understand the purpose of having like a two-story home or just a house in general. I just, I can't really wrap my brain around it personally because my first track mind is that these people have homes because they wanted to be able to showboat that they have a home in the first place at, you know, before the age of 30. So yeah, that that's kind of my two cents on that. I mean, 
I would be curious to know another perspective outside of the general generational wealth and, you know, just having a place to call your own. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know if I quite understand putting roots down in a place that maybe you don't plan on living the rest of your life. Like, you know, usually young people want to get out and move around and explore and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe a house can still afford you the ability to do that. But I just feel like, why am I going to purchase a home if it's not going to be my forever home? Unless I'm doing it for the monetary value of the home. Now, with that being said, you, you know, I said I'm very privy to kind of the dealings that go on with home ownership. I don't know everything, hence the reason why I don't have a house other than, you know, outside of financial reasons. But, you know, it, 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 there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, it may take a long time to sell the home. It might, you know, you might have bought the home and then you rented it out to people and then they trashed your home and you have to do all these prepare repairs and come off of your money to get that stuff repaired or you try to you know there is just a lot of stuff that that goes goes with home ownership you know you have to basically look for reputable companies to do your home's work um you know pest control if you want to do any upgrades such as with the light fixtures who are you going to hire to do that are they going to do a half-assed job I mean I've seen time and time again just with my mom's personal experience and I can say this because she has told me this and this is not some stuff that I'm pulling out of my ass you know things have been done halfway and then you're looking at it like dang I paid all this money and this is all I'm gonna get so yeah I, I don't know um maybe this is not a popular take but I feel like whenever I get on social media and I see somebody, especially somebody that I know, it almost makes me feel like, dang, so-and-so got this house, so-and-so, you know, has all this stuff, and here I am just living in an apartment, and, you know, I can't afford to live in a lavish apartment, you know, that would be one of my personal goals, to live in a nicer apartment, but yeah, I can't even afford to live in a lavish apartment, um, so you damn skippy, I can't buy a house and so-and-so has a house and went through the building process. But what I will say is the grass is not always greener on the other side. You know, sometimes these people buy homes thinking that, you know, everything's going to be all peaches and cream. And then they buy the house and they realize that the people that they are hiring are doing things. What? Half ass. And I guess that's something you can never truly avoid. You know, some people are just never going to want to do their jobs correctly. People are always going to want to hustle you out of money. Well, not always, but you guys know what I mean. Like sometimes you're going to get hustled out of your money. Sometimes somebody's going to jack up something in your place of, um, in your humble abode, and you're going to have to come off the money to get it fixed. And yeah, I mean, I think another reason why I've kind of been privy to the home ownership process and just what it entails is from watching YouTube. YouTube is a wealth of knowledge. So I would highly recommend if you're considering buying a home or you want to know, you know, the intricacies of that and what's the next step after you bought the home and, you know, not being in debt so you can get approved for the loan, like all that stuff. I would definitely say if you don't have family members who have gone through that process, then YouTube is your best friend. So yeah, that wasn't to necessarily talk crap about the people that I know that own homes. I just personally think that it's not just about owning the home for the right reasons. It's just like people want to, people want to, people want to showboat online. And then, you know, they want to show you that they got the keys to their home, but then they don't tell you the negative drawbacks about having the home, like the fact that they bought a home and haven't had hot water since they moved in. You would never know that unless that person is just going to be transparent with you and tell you, um, you know, you look at people's lives online and you think that the grass is always greener on the other side. And I'll, I'm the first going to be the first one to tell you guys that usually it, the grass is not greener on the other side. So yeah, at this moment in my life, I will take my 
less than $900 a month total for all my apartment fees and rent, I will take that. Um, granted, I know I'm in a place of good standing considering that, you know, Texas, the cost of living isn't that bad here. So, you know, you can make it all on your own in Texas and live in a pretty decent area. But yeah, so that's kind of my two cents on the home ownership. I really would love for someone to challenge my thoughts on why they have a home. What made them want to do this? Is it so that they can show off to family members that, hey, I'm 25 and I bought my first house? Is it so they can, their family members can say, so, oh, you know, so-and-so graduated college. Now she has a house. Like so-and-so's doing big things. Like you need to be like so-and-so. What are you doing with your life? Because so-and-so has a house. You know, that's kind of the thing that I personally think happens. And maybe these people don't give a damn about what people think about them having a house. But honestly, I would highly doubt that. Because if you didn't give a damn about what people thought, you probably wouldn't even post the fact that you bought a house online anyways hmm let's think about that one let's think about that one guys if we didn't care what people thought we wouldn't post shit online right like if i got a new haircut and i loved my haircut and i didn't need validation approval from anybody i didn't need likes i didn't need confirmation i didn't need no one to hype me up if i got a haircut and i loved it why why do i need to post it on social media hmm it's because we need that validation from others, from our peers, from our family, from our followers. If you don't follow just friends and family, you know, we seek that approval. And that is one of the most dangerous things that I think social media, the need for constant validation from others. And so when people say that they don't care about what other people think of them, I really be side eyeing them because there's no possible way. Even if you just care a smidge, because I personally think anybody who posts pictures and videos and what I eat in a day, anybody who does that, they do that for validation um, in some shape or form. And somebody can, you know, rebuttal me on that, um, but I'm going to stick to what I'm saying on that. We seek the validation of others and sometimes seeking the validation of others does not do anything for you most of the time. It does absolutely nothing for you. Um, sometimes it could just make you worse off. So yeah, that, that's my two cents on the, the home ownership piece. Now the next piece that I wanted to touch on is hustle culture. And this is something that I feel sometimes makes me feel guilty because I'm just going to touch on very briefly you know, one of my work situations, one of my past work experiences, and why I personally don't believe in hustle culture. But even though I don't personally believe in it, I have tried to partake in hustle culture because I'm trying to reap the benefits that everybody, you know, so much as praises themselves for having all these extra benefits for essentially having multiple streams of income. So essentially, when I graduated college, I thought that I was hot shit because I got a job in the social services field. I won't name the name of the company, just out of respect for that company. I got a job at this social services company, which essentially was a foster home for teen moms and their children. And I personally thought that this was going to be my big break. And by big break, I meant in college, like towards the end of college, I realized that I just felt like I had a calling for helping women in some capacity, young women in some capacity. I felt like that is what I was t like born to do. Like that's what I thought I was supposed to be doing with my life. And I kind of just had that aha moment about it in a women's studies class. Like I just, it kind of clicked for me. I was like, man, I really want to help teen girls, young women, you know, with everything, not just a specific niche of some sort, but like with everything. Um, you know, body image, sex, relationships, um, you know, eating disorders. I wanted to really just help women with all of that stuff. Not that I'm an expert. I just wanted to be, you know, someone that they could talk to, someone who could be like a mentor, if you will. So I applied for this job and, you know, I, I and I came across this job so randomly on my job hunting endeavors after I graduated college I came across it, it was so random and 
it was random and then when I read that it was for teen teen girls and their children it really excited me because I felt like that was a sign that I needed to do this job because it was going to be the demographic that I wanted and it wasn't far from where I already lived and I just felt like that was going to be the best job ever and that that was going to be my life's work and I was going to love it and I was going to get so much fulfillment out of it and that could have been farther from the truth long story short you know I I only did this job for five months and I'm surprised I made it that long I wish I could have made it longer but I did the job for five months and this was my first full-time job all of my other jobs prior to this job were part-time because I did work part-time in college um, after I graduated high school my mom did not force me nor my brother to work during high school she actually forbid us to work because she wanted us to focus on our studies so that way we could potentially get a scholarship go to college etc she didn't want us to be worried about working and schoolwork and clubs and all this stuff at the same time she wants to focus on school school is the only thing I had to focus on so that's the only thing I focused on um so yeah so this is my first full-time job first time working full-time hours but I was excited you know and I saw a lot of things learned a lot of things went through a lot of things on this job but just the organization itself I really did like what they stood for in terms of helping these women because some of them did not have custody of their children so they still allowed them to live under one roof and kind of learn like the parenting skills coping strategies for things that they were personally going through you know all under one roof with everyone sharing like some common goal like they wanted to make something out of themselves you know maybe they didn't come from a good background and maybe they had a lot of negative things happened to them in their childhood obviously they're still children but like in their past they wanted to make something out of themselves they wanted a better future for them and their children and you know I thought that that place was a great idea in theory because you know foster homes need to be available but you know that place that company worked me to the bone I mean right before I did end up deciding to quit I was working 16 hour days and you know some people work 16 hour days like I'm sure nurses and police officers and firefighters I mean maybe they they work those types of hours and I'm not saying that that's not a impossible shift to work but I think it's an impossible shift to work when you can't take a break you can't take a break you're working with kids of all ages from newborn to 21 years old and you're not getting any sleep because you know I would sometimes have to work from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. that's two shifts in one so you know and then that company there were no breaks your breaks were supposed to be okay if the kids are eating breakfast you need to eat breakfast if the kids are eating lunch you need to eat lunch there was no moment to take a breather a moment to scream a moment to do anything like you know we couldn't do any of that so for 16 hours I'm essentially looking at these kids and trying to basically be their parent you know make sure they're safe drive them to school drive them to different functions that they had to attend to take them shopping grocery shopping things for fun and I'm not saying that this job was all bad there were a lot of things that I learned about myself and just things about the social services and stuff like that but ultimately I felt like the job was a liability because I really didn't think I could live with myself if anything ever happened to those kids on my watch and can you imagine like sometimes I would take these kids like 10 kids to Walmart and usually there would be one other staff member with me but 10 kids to Walmart so you think okay let's split them up let's let you take five I take five you got to make sure that they're all you know staying in line making sure that they're not breaking stuff making sure that they don't disappear making sure nobody snatches them up making sure that if something were to go down in that Walmart that you can account for all your kids and make sure they're safe and I just felt so like I felt I just felt like there was so much pressure on making sure that these kids were safe and another thing that I really experienced on that job is I didn't feel safe I had some issues on my own going on I never felt safe I was afraid to go into Walmart by myself 
for the fear of what might happen. So imagine me already having that fear, but I have a job to do. I have to go to work. And now I take these kids to Walmart and now I'm trying to make sure that I can protect them in these moments. So yeah, it, it was just, it I, ultimately it wasn't the job for me. Um, I, I did feel like I made some great connections with the kids that I did interact with. Some of the girls, you know, they had a very special place in my heart and I tried to make sure that I, you know, gave them as much advice as I could possibly give, even though I've never been a parent and I've never been, uh, you know, I've never experienced teen pregnancy, but I tried to give them as many life lessons that I had learned up until the age of 22, because that's when I started that job. So yeah, I said all that to say that this is the reason why I don't believe in hustle culture. So you work for a company, they work you to the bone. Like I said, 16 hours, no break. And you had to be okay with that. Like I had to literally be okay with the fact that I wasn't getting a break, but I was doing good work for these kids. But you're doing, but it's for the betterment of the kids. So what if you don't get to take a break? That's how I personally felt the company made me feel about it because there's no reason why anybody should be working 16 hours without a break. And I don't care if the kids are eating, that means we get to scarf down some food. No, I need an actual break. I mean, I, I personally felt work to the bone. So by the time I've worked any shift for that matter, even if it was just my regular eight hour shift, I'm mentally and physically exhausted for the day. I don't even know how I managed to go to the gym, you know, during that five month period. I don't even know how I managed because personally, I just felt mentally exhausted all the time. You know, I wanted to commit suicide during this time because I just personally felt like I was at rock bottom on this job. I just didn't know why there wasn't something in me that felt like I could move through this job with ease, knowing that I was doing the work of the Lord, if they should say, if you should say, like I was doing the work of the Lord on the highways and byways, doing what the Lord told me to do. Praise him. Thank you, Jesus. You know, that, I, that's what I was trying to be on. I was trying to be on, like, I'm over here doing the work of the Lord, and I can't even, I don't even, I'm not even, like, hyped to get out of bed in the morning. And it just, it was just dread. Dread going to that job. And I wanted to love it so bad because the, like I said, in theory, it's a great concept to have a job like that, to have a company like that, but you gotta have some strong people to do that work. Or you gotta have some good rules in place to where your employees feel valued, appreciated, and that their mental health matters because I mean, I don't know. I mean, the schedule was always different. It was never set. You wouldn't know your schedule until I think either the week ahead of time. So then you really couldn't plan much. I mean, it was just nonsense. Personally, in my opinion, that job was nonsense. And to think that our society promotes working yourself to the bone for an extra couple hundred dollars, maybe, depending on how much you make hourly or what you do as a side job. To think that our society promotes that, like work and sleep when you die, like hell no, I'm asleep while I'm still living. Because why am I gonna work so hard to where I'm basically stressing myself out and newsflash folks, stress will kill you. So why am I gonna do all of this for no, like no benefit? Cause think about it like this, if I'm working, let's let's just take it back to this job that I just told y'all about. If I'm working 16 hour days and I wanna say I worked three 16 hour days. Yeah, three 16 hour shifts and then I would have four days off. I guess that makes sense if the math is correct on that. I'm gonna have to do the math, but yeah, three 16 hour shifts, four days off. And when you really think about that, you think, oh, that means I get four days off. Like, that's great. Oh, you know what? I don't know. Maybe I was only working like two 16-hour shifts and then 
I don't know. I don't really remember the whole situation. I just know that there were multiple occasions in which I worked 16 hour shifts back to back. So I wasn't getting enough sleep to be able to function with children. You know, I, I wasn't I didn't have the, the mental clarity to do that. So practically during that job, all I did was live off of um, bang energy drinks and to keep myself going throughout the day. If I didn't have a bang energy drink or if I had one, I was eating the junk that the kids were eating. Fruit snacks and Cheez-Its and goldfish and eating more food than I needed to because I had to stay up. I had to be alert. I had to be focused and I had to make it through the day. So... I had to find a way to do that and food and energy drinks was the only way that I really could do that because I couldn't do nothing else. There was no break. So, yeah, I mean, just to think that our society promotes you running yourself into the ground for a company that will easily replace you. That's something that I'm working on right now. Companies will replace you at the drop of a dime. So why do we... Why do we give them so much of ourselves for an extra $100 on our paychecks? They don't really appreciate it. I can't speak for everybody. I'm sure in the large scheme of things, like, you know, you can't say that your manager doesn't appreciate you working overtime because they're not the head of the company. You know what I mean? But I do feel like there's something to be said about doing all this extra overtime, you know, not spending time with your family, not having self-care days, not having a mental health day. I feel like there's a lot to be said about us wanting to go, 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 go until we're literally sick and then have to take a break because we've gone for so long on now we're running on E and it shouldn't have to come to that. We need to be taking care of ourselves and doing that work before we hit rock bottom. We don't need to hit rock bottom to realize we need a rest, you know, shoot. Doesn't the Bible say on the seventh day, the Lord rested? I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but hell, like I'm not going to be working myself to the bone to where I'm run in the ground, don't have any energy for myself, don't have any time to do anything that I enjoy, such as going to the gym, such as possibly, you know, starting this podcast, such as listening to my favorite podcast, such as literally sitting on my ass and doing absolutely nothing. I need to have time to do that. And so do y'all. So I really do um, caution you guys with this hustle culture mindset of needing to have 15 million side hustle jobs. And sometimes, you know, I do want to step back a second and just say this because I know some people might feel some type of way. Obviously, if you need the money and you have to make ends meet and you need to take up multiple jobs in order to do that, if you have a family, if you fell on hard times, obviously those are you know, situations that you have to make those sacrifices in order to make ends meet and make sure you're providing for your family and yourself. So I understand that, but I'm not talking about those extenuating circumstances. I'm not talking about that because anybody would, you know, pick up a second job if they knew that they had to put food on the table for themselves. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who you know, make a decent living with the money that they're making from one company and or your own personal business because, you know, entrepreneurship is another thing that's pushed so, so much in our society, like being your own boss and not working a nine to five and quitting your nine to five to do YouTube. And I mean, it's just all of this stuff that really, when you look at it, look at it, it's just, it's greed. It's greed it's being money hungry. It's literally stressing yourself the heck out for what? Like, I don't know. I just personally see the value in taking my days, taking my mental health days. And like I said, taking my days to be off just because I got the time and just because I freaking feel like it. Nope, there's nothing wrong. I don't want to go to work today and I'm going to sit on my couch and eat Chick-fil-A and I am going to be happy about that. And I don't have to, I shouldn't have to feel guilty because I decided to take a day off from work. If the company gives you sick days, unplanned time and or vacation days, you need to use that shit. That stuff is not going to roll over. Those are free days for you to take, you know, also obviously in the event if there's an accident, if you have to... If you get a flat tire, you know, it's for that too. But especially with working from home, 
you know, you would assume that you're not driving as much. So, you know, you just might need that day for yourself. And that's where I'm at. When the pandemic first hit, you know, mental health days were really my thing. That's really all I used my sick days for was for mental health days. Um, because this time last year, I was working a call center job and I absolutely hated it. So those mental health days were, you know, definitely necessary for me to be able to recharge and recuperate. And, you know, just personally for me, sometimes I feel I would feel guilty for telling my manager like, hey, I'm not coming in today. Not because there's something wrong, not because I got a flat tire, because I don't freaking want to come in today. And I have a right to say that because it should be these are the sick days. This is how many hours you have. You take your sick day. Just let us know you're not going to be here so we can make sure we have coverage or whatever the heck. And no questions asked. That should be it. That should be the end of the story. I shouldn't have to tell you detail by detail, because if I have to tell you anything, if it's required that I tell you why I'm com not coming in, I need a mental health day. And that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. That's my prerogative. And as long as I didn't go over on my sick days or I didn't use them to its capacity, then y'all shouldn't be concerned because I'm a good employee. I have great work ethic. When I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm off, I'm off. I'm not about that working overtime too much. You know, I'll do it here and there. If I need to help out or do a little extra catch up with some things, I'll do it here and there. But, you know, I'm not working myself to the bone for a check. I'm not doing it. And y'all shouldn't either. And maybe that says something about me. Maybe that just means maybe some people might look at it. Well, how are you ever going to get ahead? You're just always going to be living paycheck to paycheck and these side hustle jobs, you know, afford you guys the ability to do all these extra things that y'all want to do. So I do see both sides to it. I mean, sometimes I do wish that I had an extra $300 because essentially the job that I had this time last year doing the call center situation, I was making more money. And that's another thing. I was making more money doing that job and I absolutely hated that job hated that job and it's a toss-up between that job and the job working at the, the group home I don't know which one was worse I think they were both bad in their own right but to be constantly yelled at and called out of my name on the phone Monday through Friday or it wasn't even Monday through Friday I didn't have weekends off it was whatever my work schedule was that takes a toll on your mental health so I never did overtime for that job, never. Because when I was off, you wasn't gonna tell me to come back in because y'all have literally worked me to the bone today. So yeah, I, that's kind of my two cents on, you know, overworking yourself. Um, like I said, I, I do sometimes wish that I could come up on an extra three to $500 a month because that would be nice. That would be good spending money. That would be good turn up money. Good. Let me go book a plane ticket somewhere money. You know, now I have to be very meticulous about where I'm spending my money because I'm making less money doing what I'm doing now. But one thing I will say, I'm making less money, but I'm not as stressed. I'm still stressed. I think every job is going to give you some amount of stress. I don't think you can escape that for sure. But I, I don't feel as mentally drained as I did on those jobs that I just told y'all about. So yeah, you know, take your take your sick days, take your PTO. Don't be a work. Don't be the don't think it's a compliment for people to tell you, oh, my gosh, you work so hard. You don't ever take vacation. No, no, you work for this company and they reward you in PTO and sick days. And you need to take that shit because like I said, you are replaceable. And if you don't take it, you probably aren't going to get reimbursed for it. And the time is not going to roll over. So while you have it, you need to take it. And the company shouldn't have nothing to tell you. You know, I'm sure all companies have a policy in which only so many people can be off per day just to keep coverage, you know, and production in mind. I don't know, but. You know, take your sick days, take your mental health days and don't feel bad about it. And don't feel like you need to make excuses for why you decided to sit on the couch that day. That was in your benefits package. So take that time, sis. Yeah, so just to wrap it up, guys, I think we need to become more aware of the dangers of stress. 
I really don't think I understood how much stress played a part in the overall functioning of my body until I started to get older. Because when I was younger, my grandmother always told me, stress will kill you, stress will kill you, don't stress, don't stress. And I always heard that and always went in one ear and out the other. And not because I didn't believe her, but because I guess I wasn't in a position to where I could really say, oh, I see what you mean now. But now, like I said, I see that stress will kill you. A lot of my coworkers are up in age and they're talking about being stressed and having all these health problems. And, you know, I just don't want to be in that in that predicament. Like I said, there is always going to be stress, but you need to know healthy ways to manage it. And you need to practice mindfulness or whatever you do to decompress after a long day. Take your vacation time. Um, we just need to be more mindful about what we're putting ourselves through mentally and physically. Um, because sometimes, sometimes, you know, having an extra couple hundred dollars after doing some overtime, sometimes it feels nice. You know, I've been there before, but sometimes I feel like I don't want to compromise my sense of peace just for an extra $100, you know, like I don't make that much money to where doing overtime for an hour or two a week is really going to make much of a difference. That might be some gas money, <laughs> but it ain't going to be a trip to Dubai, if you know what I mean. So, you know, that's kind of the way I've been looking at it. So yeah, let me know what you guys think about, um, hustle culture and entrepreneurship. I didn't touch on that too much, but you know, I kind of just wanted to give my two cents on just how hustle culture has impacted me and my thinking around it and just some previous jobs that have kind of changed my mind on working overtime and going above and beyond when sometimes that does more harm than good. Alright guys, it's time for product of the week and since it is the final day of Black History Month, I did want to highlight a black author this week and hopefully you guys are into reading. If not, um, it's definitely something to get into. I've been trying to read more, write more, do things that aren't necessarily on social media. So this is definitely something that hopefully you guys would be interested in. Now, I'm going to be honest with y'all, I have not read this whole book in its entirety, but it is a book that I purchased because I was in a college class that was kind of like an African American studies course. And funny enough, just a little backstory, the class was called Black Women, Beyonce, and Pop Culture. That was the name of the class that I took at UTSA, Dr. Kenitra Brooks taught the class. I absolutely love that class. That is hands down one of my favorite classes that I took in college um, because we talked about sexuality, religion, we talked about pop culture. We just talked about a lot of things that you wouldn't really expect to be covered in a college course. And it was centered around Beyonce's album Lemonade, where she was kind of going through the motions with the cheating allegations with Jay-Z and all that jazz. So the whole class was centered around that album. So we would come to class, we would watch or listen to like the album, like a, a song for that particular day. And then we would have have readings assigned and different YouTube videos to watch and just different content that we would look into that kind of had to deal with the issues that Beyonce would bring up in her in her album so I really love that album because I literally dissected it from front to back so I mean we even talked about voodoo like we talked about stuff like that and you know that kind of made me uncomfortable at the time because I was like uh, voodoo Christianity I don't know how that goes hand in hand but yeah it was truly eye-opening and I came to that class with an open mind and I left with a lot of hidden gems so the title of the book is called Beyond the Black Lady it's by Lisa B. Thompson and it's Beyond the Black Lady Sexuality and the New African American Middle Class it discusses like black women, black culture. It kind of goes into, I'll just read some of the back of the book just to give you 
guys a little bit of information. It says Lisa B. Thompson explores the representation of black middle class female sexuality by African American women authors in narrative literature, drama, film, and popular culture, showing how these depictions reclaim black female agency and illustrate the difficulties black women confront in asserting sexual agency in the public sphere. So honestly that alone just is a good summation of the book i highly recommend this book my goal is to actually finish reading it and that's what i plan to do so it's kind of like african-american studies mixed with women's studies and honestly like that was my jam in college like women's studies african-american studies that was my jam alongside psychology of course but really loved it was engaging it's it's always interesting to learn about you know your culture because when we were in grade school we weren't taught this stuff we were not taught about you know the things that went on in you know african-american history a lot of us are learning that stuff now as we're in our 20s and getting older like that information just wasn't shared so it's definitely good to learn some different authors and some different people that contributed to you know african-american history and i think that this book is a good read and a good way for you to support a black author so i hope that you guys enjoyed this episode um i am proud to say that you can now listen to off the dome on anywhere that you listen to your podcast you can listen to it on google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify i'm pretty sure that it's everywhere that you can listen to your podcast so i gotta pat myself on the back for that i'm really happy to say that so we are expanding of course you can always follow at off the dome podcast underscore for all podcast information including the products of the week that's always going to be in the highlight section of the instagram account of course you guys can always engage with me in the comments leave me a review an honest review and yeah share the podcast with anybody who you think might want to hear my nonsense every week so i appreciate you guys for listening and i'll talk to y'all next week see ya